All right, and welcome to episode two of the Fantasy Football Fornicators. Um, this is episode two, Jared. Nice to have you back. And, Thanks, man. Good to be uh, here. Great news. We did not get canceled. So here we are. We're, back. We're still alive. Still alive. ESPN has not shut us down. The internet has not shut us down. And cancel culture nowadays, it seems like uh, <laughs> almost anybody can get canceled nowadays. And we say stupid things into a microphone. So um, with that being said, I think we jump right into these games. We had a good weekend of football. Um, I noticed on Red, on Red Zone uh, this past Sunday, only 51 touchdowns in the um, noon and three o'clock games. That's low mm. for for red zone. Typically you see 60, 70 is a wild weekend. So not a whole lot of action, a lot of defense this week. Uh, what do you got first on your slate over there, bud? Uh, so I'm looking at this game here with the Titans versus the Ravens. Uh, that was a pretty exciting game. Took it over to overtime. Uh, you had Baltimore with the last minute drive there and then kicked the field goal to push to overtime. Uh, I mean, the, the game changer here was just you know, the usual Derrick Henry just slowly beating down the Baltimore offense, uh, defensive line. Uh, and, you know, you could stop him maybe for the first quarter, <clears throat> maybe even first half. But down the stretch, you just get tired and you can't make those arm tackles. So you saw uh, Derrick Henry break an arm tackle there and then uh, rushing the end zone for the game-winning Tud. So that was pretty sweet. Uh, some of the interesting people that, that came out of this game, actually, I'm looking at Corey Davis pretty interested in how well he played. So he had five catches for 113 yards. Uh, so it was a great game from him and, and taking some of the uh, spotlight away from A.J. Brown, which you know will get the, the best coverage from the opposing team every time. Right. Uh, but he's a pretty good play. Uh, let's take a look. He's available in over 50% of the ESPN leagues. So he, I reckon, is going to be a top waiver wire pickup this week. He's building a rapport with uh, – with the quarterback with Tannehill. So that's that's an interesting play. Uh, we also have um, Jono Smith. So he had he's a tight end for the Titans, and he had four catches and a touchdown. Uh, so he continues to be a good option at tight end, but pretty touchdown dependent. I'm noticing that it get this low yardage. Um, however, he still had six targets, which is great for tight ends. That's what you're looking for. Uh, so moving on from the Titans, I'm looking over at the Ravens side. It's pretty clear that Dobbins is their primary running back. Uh, he was able to get 15 attempts, and with that, he got 70 yards and a touchdown, so that was pretty tasty. Um, with Edwards and Ingram, the backup running backs, they only combined for five touches. So Dobbins definitely looks like he's poised to be the starting role and, and take over majority of that going forward. Uh, it's a bit tricky being a running back on the Ravens offense. Mainly right. because defense is, you know. Especially when your quarterback is also a running back. Totally. Yeah. I mean, in fact, Lamar had 14 rushes in this game. So I don't know if you count Dobbins as the primary or maybe freaking Lamar Jackson was the primary running back. Okay. But, uh, what do you got on J.K. Dobbins' injuries? He, is he healthy? He's on the COVID-19 list after testing positive yeah. tests. Look at that. That's no good. Okay. So I think I don't think they have a short week, but I believe off the top of my head, the COVID restrictions, you have to have five days of negative tests in order for you to be back off of the COVID list. So maybe a sneaky play if you don't see J.K. Dobbins on the field on Sunday next week. 
to maybe try to jump in and grab somebody like Gus Edwards? Um, or yeah, well, Edwards will uh, Edwards will have to take that starting role because Ingram is actually also on the COVID reserve list. Okay, so, so it looks like the running backs were a little too close in the running back room over there in Baltimore. Yeah, so they got to quit making out, spreading the exactly. disease a little bit. Well, you know, it kind of makes you wonder. Um, I know last week Lamar Jackson came out and said, hey, these defenses are reading our offense. They, they know exactly what we're doing, that, and they're defending against us. Uh, and so maybe we're, there's a little bit more in-depth uh, frailty, frailty in the yeah. You know, you don't have to be an expert in football to know that uh, Lamar Jackson's going to either run the ball or throw to his tight end. So it's pretty easy to uh, read their offense. Um, They do need to change it up. And I want to see defenses really putting pressure on Lamar to throw the ball. Uh, What I did notice is, you know, he's just not getting enough volume to his other wide receivers, especially not downfield. I mean, in this last game, Lamar's averaging a measly 11 yards per completion. And most of those completions went to Mark Andrews, their tight end. So there's really no one else on the pass catcher side that's quite fantasy relevant enough, at least to play in this final, uh, you know, next week going into playoffs here pretty soon. No, I see that exact same thing. Yeah, it looks like you got your top four scores uh, for Baltimore there, Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, and Justin Tucker, the kicker there. Um and then besides that, no one scored more than three fantasy points in uh, standard standard scoring, which is, again, what we're talking here. Yeah, pretty rough. You know, uh, I also remember when Gus Edwards, uh, last season, he had the bell cow roll a couple of weeks. And um, he was really a short yardage kind of guy. I never really saw him average more than four yards per, per attempt. And you're just kind of hoping that he just punches in like a one-yard score. Uh, so even if he does get the full roll, um, I would, I still would caution that is at, at the most a flex play. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to see how, um, how the, the, the COVID situation, uh, plays out over there in, uh, in Baltimore. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, so that's all I've got for that game. This, uh, next game that was pretty interesting was the Eagles versus the Browns. Uh, right. so I liked about that. I mean, Carson Wentz, he continued to make errors. So that was that was kind of expected. You know, he was coming off a game where he had two interceptions and two fumbles. And um, and so he sure enough, he had two more interceptions. In fact, that now puts him at a league worst 14 interceptions. Now that's pretty brutal. Jeez. Yeah. And he didn't do much with his legs, which is usually the only way he saves you if you happen for some reason to put him in your starting lineup. Only had three rushes for 10 yards. Yeah, it looks like he really likes throwing to the tight end here, uh, at least this past week. Dallas Goddard and Richard Rodgers were his two um, primary targets there for fantasy points. Yeah, and you'll notice the Eagles always have – they run a two tight end set. Um, You know, before Richard Rodgers got in there, they always had um, uh, Zach Ertz. And um, so Zach's actually expected, well, potentially to come back this next week. So that'll push everyone down a bit. So you'll have Dallas Goddard playing the secondary role, but there's definitely room here for this team to have two fantasy relevant tight ends, given the tight end position is just so weak this year. Right. So, you know, I'm expecting uh, Goddard, even if Zach Ertz does uh, get back, I'm expecting Goddard to continue getting some work. Uh, he's, he's developed a pretty good little passing relationship with Wentz. 
So regardless of uh, Ertz's position there. And looking over at the Brown side, you've got Chubb who ran the ball exceptionally well. He had um, five, almost six yards per carry with 20 attempts and 114 yards. Uh, and then you have Kareem Hunt that ran the ball the worst in his career, 13 attempts with only 11 yards. He got lucky and punched one of those in for a touchdown. Um, but that was that was pretty brutal. Averaging less than one yard per carry is yeah. a tough day for a running back. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, and, you know, there just wasn't a lot going with the passing side either. I mean, Mayfield had a grand total of 12 completions. So, you know, unfortunately, the volume is just is just too low to trust any of the pass catchers uh, from this Cleveland team. So even if you have Jarvis Landry, I just think he's a tough play given the minimal amount of attempts and throws that they're actually uh, that the coaching staff are willing to let Baker even attempt. Yeah, uh, player of the game in this one was really the Browns defense. Exactly, <laughs> and that's that's where I was going as well. Um, you can go ahead and call me um, call me wrong. Um, I don't like Carson Wentz. Um, but he actually did play a little bit better than Baker Mayfield this week. Um, and I don't think if the Browns D had that late uh, pick six, then Philadelphia wins that game. Yeah. Yeah, it was coming down to the wire. It did. And it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a shame. Baker is just someone you can't trust from the quarterback position. Um, and we'll see if Wentz carries on his uh, his league worst interception record. I think he might be going for, you know, to break Cam Newton's interception record. Or Jameis Winston when he had thirty in one season. That one, I think it was last oh, year, year before. That's right. Yeah, that was horrific. Jeez, hey. let's look at that game. What do you think about the Patriots and the Texans? Did you uh, get to watch any of that game? Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot of that game. Um, I did, however, see um, Cam Newton dressed like a um, like a yodeler or somebody from the, the back <laughs> wearing suspenders with plaid shorts, dress shoes with two different colored shoelaces on them, carrying a suitcase with I'm not even sure what a football player needs a suitcase for. Um, but that was definitely that was definitely a shocker but hey that's 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 fashion that's fashion yeah i reckon that was this week's biggest bust it was cam <laughs> newton's outfit absolutely yeah that was brutal you know definitely looked like a guy whose dad owns a private jet and okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's on his way to the runway <laughs> um, um but his his outfit did not turn over into a great on the field performance you know, I thought that was interesting, though. I'm, I'm seeing Cam Newton is throwing the ball more and more. I think he's potentially getting a bit more slack from Bill Belichick. I mean, he attempted 40 throws this game. So he had 26 completions. Um, what I liked about this game, uh, especially in PPR formats, so I think James White could potentially become fantasy relevant again. Uh, he had about six catches. And then another breakout performance from uh, – from a new wide receiver that I'm sure is going to be targeted big time on the waivers this week is uh, Demier Bird, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Bird, it looks like. Yeah, he had a breakout game. He had six catches with seven targets for 132 yards and a touchdown. 
And uh, Belichick also got him involved in the, in the uh, running games. He had one carry for 11 yards. So they like this guy, and Cam definitely likes him. And the fact that Cam's starting to throw the ball a bit more means that there might be a bit more fantasy relevance coming from the Patriots again. So yeah, that it, interests me. Another, another little sneaky um, thing to keep an eye on here. If you, if you, if you saw Rex Burkhead actually um, confirmed Torres ACL in the game last week. Um, sure. So that squad of three running backs is now just down to two, Damian Harris and, like you said, James White, um, who are probably going to get the majority of the carries there. I think if you have Damian Harris, he's a must-start next week, um, getting probably the one and two down runs. Uh, James White probably coming in as a third down back out of the backfield. Um, I know Bill Belichick loves to do that um, and just kind of look for those plays if if you if you can – uh, stretch for those guys or maybe potential trade if uh, if you can you know give something up to get one of those guys yeah I like to play for that and uh, next the schedule for the Pats they play the Cardinals and the Chargers both away games over the next two weeks and you know I'm predicting in those games they're likely going to be playing catch up on the scoreboard so I'm expecting Cam to keep throwing the ball more and more he might continue having these 40 attempt games um, there's there's clearly uh, – so with this Demir Bird player here, he's clearly a boomer bust kind of player. And so I think I want to caution people before you go and just swoop him up immediately because he's coming off, off the back of a game where he put up a goose egg against Baltimore. So I'm expecting better days for Cam. And as a result, that's definitely going to help his wide receiver core. Um, I, I definitely like what I'm seeing with James White. And now he's taking over more of a role now that uh, Sexy Rexy's out. Um he's definitely becoming more and more fantasy relevant. On the other side of the field, we had the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson had a phenomenal game. Deshaun Watson, I think, was probably the best fantasy performer of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Well, well, he did. He did. I mean, he had great performance, even with his legs. He had six rushing attempts, 36 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so that was pretty impressive. That was a grand total of 31.36 fantasy points. Wow. Um, and yeah, he is the number one fantasy scorer of the week. Wow. That's pretty impressive. You know, and you just look at his completion percentage. He was, uh, so he had 28 for 37, uh, he had 344 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, he's looking somewhere around that kind of 75% completion mark. So, you know, he would have had one hell of a QB rating. What was quite cool is you, uh, is he shared the ball around and he got three of his pass catchers, quite a bit of love. So three of them had 80 yards or more, and that's with uh, Fuller, with Jordan Aikens, their tight end, and Brandon Cooks. So Jordan Aikens was able to get six targets in this game, and he's a good pickup if you're struggling at tight end. He's available in about 98% of leagues, and um, he's he, he, if you look at his games, you know he had clearly a pretty strong season uh, at the start, and it was just more about trying to get the volume. And I think now with Watson playing better, you can expect more targets to go to Jordan Aiken's way. And, uh, and you can expect him to be, you know, kind of that bottom range tight end one, maybe high tight end two. Um, but other than that, in terms of fantasy relevance for the Texans, you can pretty much rule out Duke Johnson. He was a major bust. He was uh, 10 attempts for 15 yards. So not quite as bad as Kareem Hunt, but shit, pretty close. Not a whole lot on the rushing game on the on the ground. This kind of reminded me as well as uh, um, 
watching Lamar Jackson kind of run all up and down the field. Deshaun Watson did the same thing. He ran all over the field. Um, he yeah. was the primary ball carrier um, when, when they needed to get, get yards on the ground. Yeah, you just can't – you couldn't trust Duke Johnson. And um, I think I might even have him in one of my leagues. And I, I, I'm definitely thinking he's droppable. You put him in droppable status. 10 for 15, man. And uh, the Patriots, you know, they don't have that great of a rushing defense. Now, he's coming off two games now with major busts. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any trade value there. You know, he's still the starting running back on a team. So, I, I suppose uh, – and he's not, you know, sharing the work necessarily with anyone else. So, you've you got to yeah, – You're looking at 2.8 yards per carry this season, um, yeah. which is – just future and if David Johnson's off of his concussion protocol next week, then um, be careful because he's not going to produce. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. How about the Steelers Jags game, the whopping three points put up by the Jags. What do you think of that? Yeah. So this was actually a, a more interesting game to watch. And uh, it kind of comes off on paper. Um, now, if you look, there's a, a little, a bit of a scary uh, development here. And you're going to like this story. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster has a toe injury. And can you guess Ooh. how he injured his toe, Jared? All right. He definitely kicked the shit out of one of his teammates. That's he my guess. tripped over a penalty flag on the field and injured his no toe. No way. Tripped over a penalty flag? Penalty flag. The heavy portion of a penalty flag and injured his toe. He sat out the rest of the game. Um, they were obviously wow. by, you know, multiple touchdowns. And he probably – he said um, after the game that he could have came back if he wanted to, uh, but he decided to stay out. Um, so if you were worried about him moving forward next week, he is going to be a go. Wow. That's a pretty weak way to uh, injure yourself. Isn't it? It's kind of like fighting a uh, kicking net and having it come back and smack you in the face. <laughs> All right. I want to highlight also here on the other side, uh, James Robinson. Okay. He, if you, he is the workhorse back here. He was the only running back to carry the ball the entire game for uh, Jackson. Uh, so like carries only 73 yards. So again, he just ran straight into that uh, that Jack or that that Pittsburgh defense, and um, they beat him up all game. He did squeak into the end zone once for um, kind of a lucky little touchdown there. Um, but it's so kind of at have him. You kind of have to play him with that volume. But it's just there's so much disappointment that's that's on the forecast for you, it, it, it makes you nervous every week. So are you still looking at uh, James Robinson? Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of okay with his performance. You know, 17, I was expecting less yards. I thought he'd only put up 60 yards max, you know, and he beat that a little bit. Yeah, he did have 17 yards, uh, 17 rushing attempts, 73 yards. Oh, I missed that. He did not sneak into the end zone. I'm sorry. Didn't sneak into the end zone, but I was actually okay with that given, you know, obviously you've got Jake Luton, who is a rookie, and they were going to feast on him. In fact, he got four interceptions. 
So the only thing he had to do from the Steelers' perspective was just stop the run game. And he still averaged over four yards a carry. So, you know, I, I was I was pretty happy with that, to be honest. Um, I could see Robinson. He's up next. He's, he's going up against Cleveland, who is another top 10 uh, defense against the run. But, um, you know, I'm still pleased that with with the with the game shaping out the way it did, and James Robinson still getting 17 rushing attempts even when they're losing big, uh, I feel like he's going to be a reliable player with a with a pretty high floor. Yeah, and you know you know he does have the volume there, um, but you just have to be prepared for a day where and and like 9.4 out of your your running back who you probably drafted in the first or second round. Um, just isn't doing it for me. Yeah. Well, we all got lucky. I think uh, James Robinson's one of the luckiest uh, uh, players in this league because he was, no one knew anything about him, you know? Um, so anyone who has him would have picked him straight off the waivers. You are, you are again, correct. I did not do my research well enough here. It's pretty lucky. Well, it's just because I've got him on my team. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, so he's been he's been uh, one of the fantasy football darlings, I reckon, of the uh, of the season. Definitely helped me through some dark times. Yeah. Again, you touched on it, Jake Luton. Oh, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, I think he completed more passes to to the Steelers than he did to his own teammates. Um, so the quarterback situation over there is not great. Uh, you're still gonna have Gardner Minshew out uh, with a hand injury, and. Right. Uh, this is kind of a funny little story that I heard. I actually don't know the validity of it, but back in college, when he used to play in college, he wanted to redshirt, I believe, uh, for another additional year of eligibility, but he couldn't, couldn't redshirt unless he was injured. And so he allegedly hit his own hand with a hammer and broke his Ooh. hand. Oh, wow. So that he could redshirt for another year and uh, get that extra year eligibility. So that hand is fragile. It's been smashed with a hammer. <laughs> Hopefully, you smashed the correct hand. Didn't just. Have yeah, well, and then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta time that up too because that's a left-handed. That's a left-handed swing if you're hitting your right hand, right? So you gotta Very have good a pretty good aim there. You gotta be kind of ambidextrous. You think he got one of his mates to do it for him? See, I don't know. I don't think I, if you asked me to hit your hand with a hammer. I would a thousand percent do it, but you know, <laughs> I'm not sure what that looks like in the locker room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have to do that in private. That's some kinky shit. Yep. You got anything else on this game? Obviously all the guys on the Steelers did what they're supposed to do. Um, yeah. We could talk about big Ben. We could talk about all the chase Claypool. All those guys got their touches, got their targets and got their points. Um, and I don't think yeah. that surprised anybody this week. I was pretty impressed by uh, just how many fantasy-relevant players are on the Steelers, man, on that wide receiver core. Yeah. yeah. And how and many targets are you I mean. Those numbers may be just a little inflated this week because, like we said, Juju was out with that toe injury from a flag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you're looking at those numbers, your eyes may pop a little bit and say, oh, this guy may be um, you know, a breakout guy. But if you look at – Quarterbacks against Jacksonville, 30th ranked. Um, wide receivers against Jacksonville, 25th ranks. Uh, and, and 
running backs against Jacksonville are 26th ranked. So all great numbers, all great uh, odds and yeah. and matchups for everyone on that team. All knew that was going to be a blowout. Okay, what do you got for the next game for the Bengals versus the Washington Arwards? So I got Bengals, Washington football team. I hate saying that name every time. Like it's I know. It's just so it's, it's so just doesn't sound natural. And I actually word so it came out that they're trying to keep that as no their, way. their real team name. Um so talk about injuries here. Uh, almost everybody on both of these teams either was injured or got injured. Uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers go up to Joe Burrow. Hopefully, he makes a speedy recovery. News came out today that um, they thought it was just an ACL injury. It turns out it's a little bit worse um, than they had anticipated. They got an ACL and MCL and some structural damage. And so if you, if you think about what structural damage means, you would assume there's some sort of bone structures in there that also got injured maybe a dislocation a possible chipped kneecap or something like that that, that he's, that he's so this is going to yeah. be a lengthy lengthy uh rehab period for him uh, and i wish him the best in it well it's such a promising rookie so i'm hoping uh you know he's obviously gonna have the best staff and support around him to get him back to healthy right um if you're looking at joe mixon he'll be back week 14 uh coming off of ir uh giovanni bernard uh, didn't really impress anybody. He had nine carries for 18 yards, four catches for 37 yards. Um, not a whole lot of action there. Um, and the quarterback that's going to be filling in for the Bengals here is a guy named Ryan Finley. And he was 0-3 last year when he started games. So not a whole lot of promise here looking for the Bengals. Um, if you got guys, they're, they're not going to, they don't have very favorable matchups, especially with a backup quarterback. And uh, just really an unfortunate year for, for, for the Bengals, I think. Could be quite a sneaky play because, you know, uh, the backup was only 3-10 and 10 in his uh, completion. And one of those, he also had an interception. So I think a sneaky defense play this week could be uh, the Giants D, who are – they're actually better than kind of how they come across. They've, they've done okay this season. Um, and going up against a rookie quarterback that's probably been falling asleep in the QB room when they're, uh, you know, studying plays, now all of a sudden has to lead the offense. You know he's going to throw some interceptions and get, you know, and not perform as well as as Burrow. So, gotta feel, gotta feel like you're down on the Bengals pass catchers and potentially up on the Giants' date. Okay. Next week. All right. Not a bad, not a bad play there. Um, I think you also have the Giants, D, so you may be a little bit partial there. <laughs> Actually, I don't. <laughs> I dropped them. All right. Hey, maybe got to pick them back up. All right, flipping yeah. over to Washington football team. Um, a lot of cues on that roster as well. Antonio Gibson, he's questionable. He's actually just resting today, um, so he should be good to go. Dustin Hopkins, kicker. Um, he missed last week, but he will also be a go. And we've also got Terry McLaurin. Um, he was struggling. I'm actually not sure what his injury is, but he is also going to be a go. So those cues may scare you when, you, when you're trying to start your lineup. Um, wow. But all those guys will be going. And I think if they play, I think if they're healthy and, and, and in, you got you to put them in. Um, 
Alex Smith isn't playing particularly well, but he's still tossing the ball around to um, all the right guys there. So if you're looking for some low end RB ones or, or RB twos or wide receiver twos, uh, those guys are definitely going to be some options there to, to, to switch in. So game flow, this is a bit interesting coming from Washington. Uh, I suppose I didn't realize how run heavy this offense was. So besides Alex Smith and his couple of rushing attempts, uh, they had 31 rushing attempts this past week. Wow. 31. And so that compares to Alex Smith completing 17 passes. So they're giving, they're really putting the pressure on their running backs, uh, uh, namely Antonio Gibson. Is it first name Antonio? Uh, yeah, Antonio Gibson. But again, you're going to want to be careful here because um, if you look at their remaining schedule, you, they're going at Dallas, who just came off of a huge game, at Pittsburgh, who we talked about Pittsburgh. We know who they are, at San Francisco, and then Seattle at home, and then Ke Carolina at home. That's the next five weeks for them. Uh, all of those are tough, tough matchups, and I could see them losing every single one of those games um, if they're not careful. And the Washington Football Club, don't they currently lead their division? They are tied for second with Dallas and New York. And they are losing to the Eagles, who are 3-6-1, and one, I believe, with a, with a tie wow. that's giving them a half a game lead in that league. And that's Shocker. <laughs> that's pretty brutal. Okay. Well, not a lot of excitement going on. And not a lot of excitement there. A lot of hope for the Bengals or the Washington football club. How about we go over to the Lions and the Panthers game? How'd you feel about that matchup? I mean, that one was boring through <laughs> and through. Um, I, I just feel really bad for Matthew Stafford. I don't think he deserves to be on that bad of a team. He's really given them years and years and years of 100% of his effort and just with the coaching decisions and the GM decisions, he's just not, um, he's not in a good situation. So he, he, I think he was the leading scorer there in fantasy points with 7.62 fantasy points. Nobody yes. else on the entire team scored any more than seven and a half points. Um, he really likes throwing to his tight end though, TJ Hawkinson. Um, which tight end as well. He's a strong guy. Catch strong tight end. Man, they just couldn't get anything going. Nothing. Panthers dominated the time, time of possession. Uh, they, they rarely tried to run the ball. 13 rushing attempts between two running backs. It's pretty poor. Well, and, and the thing is, defense, Detroit did this against a Carolina team that is also not healthy. You got Christian McCaffrey is out. You've got Teddy Bridgewater. He didn't play either. So you're playing up against wow. a backup quarterback and a backup running back. And you still can't even put up a point. So that, that says, you know, wonders about how Carolina's defense stepped up. But you can't feel happy playing any of those guys. That, that There's no one fantasy relevant on the Detroit Lions right now. Yeah, maybe you play TJ Hawkinson. Because six points is, you know, you're sort of happy with that as tight end. 
You're right. You're right there. Um, especially with just how weak the tight end position is. If you're getting somebody that's averaging five and a half, six points, um, you might as well put that guy in. Yeah. It's about all you can ask for. Okay. Well, that game's boring shit. Is there anything on the Panthers side or? Um, I thought this was kind of interesting. I noticed that they have a week 13 bye, which is coming up in two weeks. I thought we were done with our bye weeks, but. Oh, really? Uh, it may be sneaky to stretch for McCaffrey because he's probably going to miss this week and then he'll be on a bye. Um, and he should be healthy going into the third round of the playoffs. So you'll be going into your uh, final week of the playoffs if you're um, – if you need a guy before the trade trade deadline, I would give up a, a good wide receiver one, or even maybe throw him a, a, a top tier tight end uh, to try to get that guy. Um, so would you make the trade, say, Devontae Adams for Christian McCaffrey? No. no. Wouldn't make that trade? I wouldn't make that trade. Kelsey. I would be more inclined to do Devontae Adams instead of Kelsey, just because yeah. of how thin that tight end spot is. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Yeah, but you know, there's a handful of pretty top end wide receivers. Would you give up DK Metcalf? I'm just real partial to him. I like him a lot. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that would be a good one. That would be a good one because you know he does have the potential to have a. He's, yeah. a, he's a big play guy. All right, and yeah. he's. He's got – he averages like 12, 15 yards a catch. So he's not really a workhorse where he's getting all these targets, but when he does get his targets, he gets massive yards. And yeah. so, yeah, that's a guy that could be a boomer bust type of guy. And yeah. when, you, when you look and at someone like that, he's going to get, he's gonna get all, like at least 20 carries. Yeah. And with those 20 carries, usually about 30 points. And even coming straight off of injury going into his first game, he still had huge numbers. So he could absolutely win you the league. I think depending on your position, if you're like already shooing for the playoffs, whether you win or lose this next week, it might be worth rolling the dice and saying, you know what, I might sacrifice the next couple of weeks and try to pick up Christian McCaffrey. It's a big gamble, but um, that's what it takes to win fantasy football. It is. It's a big gamble. Um, and you gotta be you got to be nervous because – I think he was battling an ankle or a lower leg injury, and now he's battling a shoulder injury. So both of those things are just going to be holding you back, and you, and you never know if any of those two things are going to flare up again. Banged up. Okay, well, that's that game done. Uh, what do you think about the Falcons and the Saints? You got Taysom Hill throwing the seed. He did so, okay. How I felt in the first half versus how I felt in the second half varied drastically. Taysom Hill didn't look that great in the first uh, first half. They came out, made the adjustments that they needed to do. That's what Sean Payton does. And he was throwing the seed all over the field uh, on Sunday. He he even had some deep balls that impressed me. He, he hit Michael Thomas over the middle at least three or four times for a good 20, 30 yards. Uh, so he wasn't really doing all these checkdowns like we had assumed that he was going to be doing. Um, yeah. Big thing to note here, I think everybody saw it coming, but I wanted to put this out there. Taysom Hill, ESPN released today about a couple hours ago, 
that Taysom Hill is no longer going to be designated as a tight end on the ESPN fantasy app. He is now going to have only a quarterback designation. If you have him in your tight end spot, your roster will be ineligible or illegal. I'm not sure the actual words that ESPN used, but you can't start Taysom Hill in your running back. Yeah. Running back well, that was fair. Like it was a nice little loophole that everyone got away with for one week. But, um, you know, to be fair, it would be a bit cruel to just beat a team because you've got a quarterback in your tight end spot, you know, exactly. and I think you deserve to be able to do that for one week, but uh good call taking away the tight end eligibility. Oh yeah. And, and like, like I said, everyone knew that was coming. Um, you know so what I was pretty excited. I love seeing that many. I love seeing that many passes to Michael Thomas. I think people were pretty nervous about, you know, this Michael Thomas that everyone drafted first round, is he going to finally show up? And then Drew Brees goes down. And, but Taysom Hill, clearly that's his favorite target. Um, yeah, you, you see know. that a lot with um, not necessarily rookie quarterbacks, but backup quarterbacks who haven't gotten a lot of first-team reps. That's typically the guys that they're going to um, be attracted to are those big-name star wide receivers um, just because they're – they're so good at getting open and they have such a huge catch range that if you put it near them, they're going to go up and make a play. And 90% of the time they're going to beat uh, whoever it is that they're matched up against. Yeah. Yeah. Play potential. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what Michael Thomas does next week too. Yeah. I think Michael Thomas will continue to produce. Um, I think it's going to be hard for teams to figure out Taysom Hill. Uh, they, they, you were exactly right. Uh, on the last episode, he's going to do these sneaky little runs when they're down in the end yeah. zone. Um, yeah. He had two rushing touchdowns. He, I may be wrong. Two. He may have only had one. He did have two. He had two rushing touchdowns. I don't and think then he Kamara ran one. touchdown. Didn't have a single passing touchdown. No passing touchdowns. Two rushing touchdowns. So um, there you go. You know, he's, he gets you some decent yards, but he hogs all the extra fantasy relevant value <clears throat> with his own selfish legs. Exactly. And, uh, so that, that goes directly into my next point here with Alvin Kamara. This guy's value is dropping quickly, and it's scary um, because this guy was definitely drafted in the first round. And if you are an owner of Alvin Kamara, you don't like Taysom Hill as your quarterback because you saw his numbers drop off tremendously, especially how much they feed him in the red zone. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Kamara last week didn't have a single pass. That's no exceptions. Um didn't have a single catch other than one week, week four. Other than that week, he's had a minimum of five catches per week. And usually it's pushing up close to 10. So that has been the real game changer for him. He only had 13 rushing attempts, which is about right for him, but zero, zero catches. If he didn't find his way into the end zone last week, he would have put up an absolute dud. Yeah. Very scary. All right. Um, just real quick on the Falcons. Uh, if you picked up that kicker, uh, he won the day. He's the only one that scored points last week. Uh, I think he put up 13. He was probably the leading scorer on the team. Let me look here real quick. Yeah. In fact, both of those kicks were 50-yard plus. Well, he had one that was a little chip shot, 29er, I think. But two back-to-back -back that were 50-yarders. All of his kicks were in the first half. And then the Falcons just put up an absolute dud in the second yes. half. And a uh, little injury alert. Watch out Julio Jones. Uh upset his hamstring again 
So he's been battling that hamstring injury all season. It's flared up again. So uh, moving forward, you're going to have to keep a real close eye on him. He may not go next week. Nice. And I feel bad for the Falcons. I know. I know. They can't really catch a break. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, is that all you got for that game? That's all I got, unless you have anything else to add. That's all I got. All right. uh, so moving over to the Dolphins versus the Broncos, which was more exciting game than I think anyone was expecting. Uh, and I would have thought it was a big upset, actually. I was not expecting the Broncos to win that game. Huge upset. I think Huge. real quick, just a, a quick little betting tidbit. I think 90% of the money was on um, the Dolphins to cover. And they did not because they lost outright to the Broncos. Wow. Vegas wins again, as they usually do. Uh, so some things to note. So on the Dolphins running back game, you've got Ahmed, who continued to be their primary running back. He got 12 out of the 14 touches. He did suffer a shoulder injury during the game, but came back later on and was considered healthy. Uh, what was promising about that is he, was, he caught five catches for 31 yards. So Tua did like throwing it to him. Uh, we do have Gaskin that may be returning this week uh, and that he could be replacing Ahmed as that bell cow running back as he was earlier in the season when he was healthy. Uh, so I wouldn't drop Ahmed this week, um, but I want to see what the coaching staff decides to do. I probably won't risk putting him in my lineup, but uh, worth having him on your bench just in case uh, he ends up getting more touches than, uh, than Gaskin. I think he's still he potentially could be fantasy relevant. Uh, on the quarterback side, You've got Tua, who was just pressured from all corners, man. He was sacked six times before Coach Brian Flores pulled him out of the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, so he was replaced by uh, old Fitzmagic, and, you know, he ended up doing pretty well, actually. Um, after the game, Coach Flores said that Tua was not injured and that he will remain the starter going forward. Uh, he must have just been a little uneasy about all the sacks he was getting. And, you know, Fitzpatrick does have uh, a bit of magic in him left and could have pulled that game out potentially. But you remind me of the name of that coach again. Yeah, Brian Flores. Brian Flores. He also mentioned that, and he didn't cut, he didn't mince any words. He said, if our players don't perform, they're going to get benched. Wow. And that's exactly what he did. So I actually like that move out of a coach, being completely honest with your players. If you aren't playing good, you're not gonna you're gonna come out of the game and we're gonna we're gonna try to go somewhere else. Ryan Fitzpatrick has shown that he is legit and he can lead this team to uh, a W. Totally. But He's if you stretch and grab Tua, um, I don't think that's gonna be very um, profitable for you moving forward. Yeah, it's just uh, it's a high risk to to put in Tua given that coach will pull him out if he doesn't play well. Um, so I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't play in, especially how precious these last weeks are. Uh, so for the Broncos side, the running backs split the touches pretty much evenly between Lindsay and Gordon, Lindsay having 16 over Gordon's 15, both of them putting up about 82, 84 yards. Uh, Gordon was the lucky one of the, uh, for the game. And he put in two touchdowns. One of them was a great run. The other one was just a little one yard punch in, which could have been either running back. Uh, Gordon did also lose a fumble. So, you know, it, they, there was a bit of spark in Gordon, which was better than normal, but it's just those two running backs are so unpredictable. It's really tough to know which weeks they're going to do well, and which weeks they're not. Um, 
you know, those touchdowns could have gotten either way, especially the one yarder. So both of them are flex plays against, you know, if they have easy matchups, but they have low floors. So that's, that's the risk that you're taking. Yeah. Uh, they're, have- they're coming up against a matchup against new Orleans and new Orleans defense looked legit against oh, yeah. uh, the Falcons. And oh, yeah. those are scary plays. I would put them low next week. If you've got Gordon, I would definitely be trying to sell him as a buy high candidate. Um, but the reality is all you have to do is look past this one game and you can see about four shitty games in a row. So exactly. yep. some people might still think there's hope in Gordon, but um, that kind of inconsistency can lose you playoff spot. But I had an interesting thought, you know, you've got Gordon and then you've also got this Miles Gaskin who's coming back from the bump from the, uh, for the Dolphins who we're not sure if he's going to get a lot of that, you know, primary bell cow work that he used to. So an interesting play there could be Gordon for Gaskin. I think you just could, a little running back for running back action there. Running back for running back. Yeah. Cause if you're a Gaskin owner, you're pretty nervous. Cause you know, Ahmed has been the primary running back and doing a pretty decent job. Um, and then obviously people, if you have Gordon, have been just trying to get rid of him for the last few weeks. Uh, so that's interesting trade that I think I would consider if I had, uh, if I had Gordon. For the pass catchers in the Broncos, uh, we've got a top wide receiver that was emerging this week, and that's with Tim Patrick. So Patrick caught five of his eight targets for 119 yards. Uh, He's available in over 85% of leagues and clearly is developing pretty good rapport with Drew Locke. Uh, Locke, I thought, played relatively well against this difficult Miami defense. Uh, You know, he moved the ball down the field pretty effectively, um, you know, he didn't have anything spectacular in terms of, you know, touchdown passes or, uh, but he only had that one interception. So that was, that was better than what I was expecting from, from Locke. Yeah, that was my point I was going to make as well. You know, especially when you're a team like the Denver Broncos, who you're not quite sure how strong they really are. They're going to get some wins here and there. Uh, but you got a guy like Drew Locke that just doesn't make any stupid mistakes or dumb passes. Um, yeah. He's not going to be super flashy on paper, but he's, if, if you have the wide receivers there, they're obviously, um, those have, they have some upside just because they're trending in the right direction. Definitely. I mean, so if you look at Tim Patrick, you look at his, his, uh, you know, last sort of eight games, he's been doing quite well. He's got a pretty high floor here. Uh, he's been building on his, uh, on his catches a little bit, but he's got 10 points, 17 points, 10 points, four and a half, and then 8.9, 6.1, and then last week, 11.9. So that's not a bad pickup, especially when you've got Drew Locke that might be playing a little bit better. Uh, but obviously they are going up against New Orleans, so you got to watch out for that game. That'll be tough. Yeah, definitely somebody that you have to grab this week. Maybe you don't start him right away, see how he does next week against New Orleans. Um, but if you don't grab him this week, he's going to be gone. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. Uh, okay, so moving on, we've got the Jets versus the Chargers. So I liked that game, actually. that was It was a pretty competitive game. There was a lot of scoring on either side. You know, Flacco did the best he could. Uh, he didn't really get rewarded with the uh, – you know, he had two touchdowns that his running backs kind of stole. But um, it was still a very competitive game. Uh, you've got Frank Gore and LaMichael Perrine, who averaged over four yards per carry, both the running backs for the Jets. 
uh, and both of them, like I said, got into the pay dirt. I thought it was interesting how Gore had 15 touches and uh, and uh, Perrine only had eight. You know, the coach had come out and stated that he wanted Perrine to get a bit more involved. So I thought it was a bit strange that uh, Gore still had twice as many touches. Uh, something to note here is that Michael Perrine is actually out and injured going into this next week. It doesn't look likely that he'll be able to play. So Gore is actually going to get the bell cow workload here. Yeah, um, and we kind of saw that um, in the game because Perrine did go out mid-game there. So that's why his volume was just a little right. bit lower and Frank Gore's was just a little bit higher um, because he, he injured – he got a high ankle sprain during that loss to the Chargers. I see, okay. Um, and those high ankle sprains are multiple-week injuries almost every those linger. Oh, yeah. Definitely have a tendency to linger uh, well, we've got Sam Darnold, who reportedly has a good shot at returning this week against Miami. Um, I would stay as far away as you can from Darnold. Uh, he's averaging 174 yards per game this season. And that's just that really well. your receivers enough of an opportunity to be fantasy relevant. You really want to get that up to at least 250 to, to start considering, you know, using him as a quarterback or really taking a good look at his receivers. You know, the real story about this game, however, was – the Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen connection. So Keenan Allen racked up 16 catches on 19 attempts, which is insane. Dang. 145 yards and a touchdown. So super impressive. Herbert's getting better and better. And now he has five games this season, his rookie season, with three or more touchdowns. So right now he's on track to shatter the previous record. Uh, of uh, touchdowns by a rookie, and actually Baker Mayfield held that. Uh, he's averaging 41.5 attempts in the four November games. Uh, and next up, he goes away and plays Buffalo, which is very throwable. So they're in the bottom kind of five in terms of uh, 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 defense against quarterbacks. So I'm definitely expecting this to be a high-scoring game with a repeat performance from Herbert and Allen. Yeah, and also keep an eye on uh... – Keep an eye on Austin Eckler. Uh, he's coming off the IR this week, so he should be, if everything goes as planned, he should be ready to go and suit up against Buffalo. So you'll get a lot more um, uh, of the running game come, come into play. He's also a great pass catcher out of the backfield, so just another weapon for Justin Herbert's arsenal. Um, I wouldn't be super nervous that those throws are going to take away any of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams' value but yeah. just something to keep in mind there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I don't really like about that connection, I mean, obviously there's huge amounts of like, and everyone's going nuts about it this week, but it's the yards per catch that is just so low. You know, he's averaging like eight yards a catch. Who's this, Eckler? No, nah, this is uh, Keenan Allen. Okay. You know, yeah, he had 145 yards, which is huge. I'm definitely not complaining about that, but every season he has – or sorry, every uh, every game he has – you know, sort of eight, nine, 10 catches and gets like 50 yards or, you know, it's, it's like five to 10 yards per catch per game. So that's the only thing I'd like to see improve, but you got to love the volume, especially if you're in PPR, no one's complaining about that. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. So next up, we've got the Packers versus the Colts, which was a very exciting game. Nail biter, nail biter through and through. Um, in the first half, 
it really looked like Green Bay was going to take this thing and absolutely stomp on the Colts' throat. Um, but it, it turns out the Green Bay Packers made zero second-half adjustments, and uh, you saw the Colts come out hot in the second half. And guys like Phillip Rivers actually went off um, and – Blankenship there, I think it's Roberto Blankenship, came in clutch with four out of five field goals there, especially that game winner there in overtime. Uh, 14 fantasy points there. Um, And also look at a guy, Michael Pittman. He's actually leading the team, or he led led the week in routes and targets last week. Uh, So they're really covering a guy like T.Y. Hilton, which frees up a lot of... Uh, of value there for Pittman. It's an interesting play, though. You know, I'm nervous about Pittman, mainly because Philip Rivers is just spreading the seed around, like he does with his with his within his own family. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many wide receivers catching passes. You know, Pittman only had three catches. I mean, yeah, he had the 45 yard bomb for a touchdown. Well, it wasn't even the bomb, actually. They threw it right to him, you know, short pass, and he weaved in and out. That was a great play. <clears throat> but the volume isn't huge, and that's just what makes me nervous about putting Pittman in, regardless of having a pretty pretty good uh, streak of two games here. Yeah, I've got a major issue with the way that Phillip Rivers throws the football. Have you seen his technique? Dude, it just looks like the football is like 10 pounds heavier in his arm. Yeah, it does. He's throwing a shot put bomb to his, to his uh, wide receivers. And it's just all arm. It looks so jerky. Like, I keep thinking he's going to blow his arm, his elbow or something. Yeah, he's going to throw his arm out. With, it just looks – it just the football just looks heavier in his, his hands. Yeah. Maybe he's weak. I don't know. <laughs> what else you got on again? Let's flip over to the Packers here. Um, so the biggest takeaway I saw here from the Packers, obviously that's a very tough loss for them, but it was a, what? It was uh, a 34 to 31 loss for the Packers. And so looking at fantasy relevance there, all your guys out of the, out of the uh, Green Bay's lineup are, are still getting, are, are still producing, are still producing. They still have a ton of value and, if you look forward with the, the remaining schedule, you have Chicago who allows 353 yards per game. You have Philadelphia who allows 366 yards per game. You got Detroit who allows 409 yards per game. Carolina, which allows 371 yards per game. And wow. Tennessee who allows 398 yards per game. Jeez. So – Talk about a week schedule upcoming. If you've got anybody on Green Bay, I think you start them the rest of the year. What about this uh, Valdez Scantling? He's been on a lot of people's radars, and he's had a couple of big plays, big weeks. But uh, is that someone you think you'd play? So he's had a a huge up-and-down season, right? And what really hurt him, and I think he would have produced a little bit more fantasy points if, if he didn't fumble that ball there at the end of the game. Yeah. But now I still don't like him as the play there. 
Um, I don't think he deserves to get death threats, which is what happened to him this week because of that fumble. Wow. But again, I I I, I, would, I would stay away from Valdez Scantling. It just has so many weapons with Devonte Adams, uh, Robert Toyin, who kind of came out of nowhere uh, as a tight end that Aaron Rodgers liked to feed. Yeah, well, I'm still hanging out for Alan Lazard. I still I still feel hopeful there. Uh, you know, maybe it's not something I need to pick up right away or could even wait another week, but I think he's going to have a breakout week, one of these week games coming up. Um, but got to wait for him to be able to play uh, a full a full game instead of just a portion of the snap share. This was his first game back, so I'm sure he was trying to brush off a little bit of rust. Um, four targets for two catches, 18 yards. Um I don't know. It's 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 hard to judge these guys off of this game up against a Colts defense that's just lights out, yeah. lights out. Very tough. I think compared to all those other yards per game, uh, the Colts allow um, only like 310 yards per game, um, which is you know a lot tighter and a lot harder to distribute the ball around. Yeah. But yeah, I want to highlight just one more time. That guy, Robert Toyin, uh, we talk about how shallow the tight end position is. Only rostered in 32.7% of ESPN leagues. Um, and that guy was attracted to the football last week. And uh, he caught all five of his targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. Nice. So that's what's amazing about that guy. He catches every ball that's thrown at him. Like week in, week out, he'll have three catches for three targets or four catches, four targets. You know, that's why I think Aaron Rodgers has grown partial to him because when he throws the ball his way, it gets caught. You know, yeah. so he's pretty reliable when it comes to the red zone. And I, and I think he will continue to be a factor in the red zone, catching touchdown passes. Reckon he's a great pickup and play. He's probably going to be your uh, your top waiver pickup for tight end spot this week. Definitely. Uh, well, that's cool. Do you have any more on that game? Uh, that'll do it. I got uh, Cowboys Vikings next week. Got Jared. Nice one. So speaking of uh, tight ends that are relevant, we've got uh, Dalton Schultz. So Schultz, I think, is going to become a more relevant player. Um, You've got six targets for him in this last game. You know, he had a pretty good game. And he also, let's see, he had uh, 25 yards and a touchdown. So any tight end that you're getting that many looks, you're usually going to be on the fantasy relevant radar. So that's someone to keep an eye on. The real takeaway from this game was that Andy Dalton actually looked pretty good. He did. 70% completion percentage. So I was I was impressed by that. He didn't have huge yardage, but it didn't matter because he was scoring with you know, with what he uh, with what he did throw for, he had two hundred three yards and three touchdowns. Uh, both of these teams were pretty successful on the ground. It was great to see Zeke finally pick his game back up and get a few more rushing attempts. Uh, so Zeke was uh, twenty one rushing attempts for one hundred and three yards. However, it was Pollard that was popped one in the end zone uh, on a nice little run too. It was about a thirty or forty or so yarders, forty two yard run, pretty impressive. Yeah, I remember seeing that. That was um, – yeah, definitely took some fantasy points away from Zeke there. Um, For sure. 
and also kind of inflates Tony Pollard to a little bit. He's probably a scary waiver ad. I don't think I would pick this guy up off of the waivers. I think they're just going to keep feeding Zeke, and this guy can disappoint if you start him in your lineup next week with anywhere from two to five points. He would definitely disappoint, but he needs to be on whoever actually owns Zeke needs to be on his lineup as a back. Without a doubt. So he's one of the best handcuffs in the league, definitely. needs to be uh, rostered, but not played. Uh, the What I did like about this is, you know, Andy Dalton did look good, and that showed with his receiving core. So you've got Amari Cooper, who had six catches on seven targets for 80 yards. Uh, so, you know, I'm thinking that there's finally going to be some more fantasy relevance going on at the Cowboys again. So fantasy relevant players I'm looking at here, Amari Cooper, you got C.D. Lamb. He scored a touchdown. He had uh, – uh, six targets for CD. And then you've got Schultz, who's available in the 75% of leagues. So take a look at him, see if he's available if you're really struggling. Uh, back over to the Viking side, you've got Dalvin Cook, who could just continue to eat. He was racking up 115 yards on 27 attempts. So that's just the kind of stuff that concerns me. You know, that's when you have this just enormous workload, uh, you know, just like Christian McCaffrey does, where you're just risking yourself of getting injured. So while you love the yards, you love the usage, you're a little afraid of the usage, to be honest. Uh, And so his backup, Madison, remains just like Pollard as one of the most important handcuffs in the league. Yeah. Uh, And the the only thing that I would say there um, and disagree with you there is Dalvin Cook is probably two inches taller and like 30 pounds heavier than Christian McCaffrey is. And so I think he's just a little bit more durable there. But again, anybody's ankle can get rolled up on. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so uh, over to the pass catchers, Kirk Cousin had a great game. I love great seeing game. Kirk. Bro. He had 314 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. So playing a clean style of football, we've got to like that. Uh, the usual suspects for the fantasy stars, once again, with Thielen, he had uh, – Eight catches for 123 yards and two touchdowns. So that's a very impressive line. And then Justin Jefferson, uh, once again, big playmaker potential with three catches, 86 yards, and one touchdown on five targets. So it's pretty obvious that uh, Kirk still likes throwing it to Thielen once he gets to the red zone. Uh, but Jefferson is just kind of one broken tackle away from making a big play. So both those guys continue to stay in your lineup. Kirk Cousins moving his way into fantasy relevance himself. And uh, particularly if you have uh, maybe your quarterbacks on a bye week or uh, maybe soon enough, you'll see Kirk start to, uh, uh, you know, be a potential starter as a very low end QB one. Yeah. Maybe in a deeper league, if you look at maybe like a 14 or 16 uh, man league, you probably got him and you probably start him. Uh, Yeah. But he would be just a guy that you rotate in. Um, if your quarterback has an unfavorable matchup. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. I want to touch real quick on Adam Thielen. I was, um, I mean, I think about 30 30 minutes before we started sitting down and recording here, uh, came out that he is on the COVID reserve list. He will not play next week. No way. That is a huge, huge hit for fantasy owners. Adam Thielen being the fourth ranked wide receiver in the league. He's averaging 13.4 points per game. Uh, so you're definitely going to miss having that guy on your lineup next week. That and is, hope, and well, hopefully he gets better. 
what that does mean is, you know, they're going to share the football around a little bit more. You got to think uh, Dalvin Cook's going to get a few more passes. Obviously, Justin Jefferson's going to get more looks. Uh, but an interesting streamer play this week, if you tie it in, has got a bad matchup, could be Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I, Kirk definitely likes throwing to Kyle Rudolph. Uh, he had three catches in this last game. And now that you've got these uh, all these throws that aren't going to uh, Adam Thielen, he's going to have to find someone else. And he's already built some pretty good relationship with, uh, with Rudolph. So take a look at that if you're in a bond. Yeah. What about this Chiefs-Raiders game? That was pretty exciting. That was a fun one. Um, I don't know why the Raiders always play the Chiefs so hard. But yeah. if you remember back uh, when they met in the, the first time, the Raiders won that game. And oh, yeah. I thought the Raiders were going to win it again. Um, they, drove, they were driving down the field. Kansas's defense looked abysmal. They couldn't stop anything. Um, 35-31 ended up being the final score, so points were not uh, short to come by there. Um, but as soon as Derek Carr um, and, and, the, and the Vegas Raiders scored there at the end of the fourth quarter with about a minute and 45 seconds left, giving Patrick Mahomes the ball back, did anyone think that Mahomes wasn't driving down the field and scoring there? That's true. And did anyone think it wasn't going to go to either Hill or Kelsey? Exactly. And Hill eight, Kelsey eight. Edward Hilaire, eight. I, even Le'Veon Bell got into the end zone. Um, yeah, good on him. So, not not really – not shocked anyone uh, that the people that should have went off did go off. Um, I, I got another little betting gem for you, Jared, if you're ready for this one. Okay. Okay. So, um, the over-under for total rush yards for Patrick Mahomes was 16.5 yards. Okay. Going into the final play of the game, if you remember, Kansas City had the ball, and they um, they kneeled for they 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 oh, kneeled no. it out for the last couple of uh, oh no couple of plays. Sixteen and a half was the over under. Mahomes had seventeen rush yards, and then he kneeled with for the final play of the game, dropping him oh, to no. sixteen rush yards. No way. So anybody that had the over was devastated and i don't know who would have taken the under on that again yeah. uh, you gotta think over you gotta think you gotta take the over life's too short to take the under <laughs> man that is brutal that sucks man i just think it's hilarious how good vegas is at making those odds yeah i swear you know they must be listening to our podcast and getting some pretty good foresight i think they are yeah i mean right. now, so i'm here in new zealand i'm a day ahead terms of time zone so uh i can actually feed some future information back to the boys let them know that he was going to kneel for 16 yards i wish you had done that brother <laughs> brutal hey well All looking right. at the raiders side of the ball what do you think about um i mean i thought that was kind of a a pretty good day for uh Derek carr yeah and and he's been looking very good uh the past couple of weeks i think maybe for one isolated uh, game where he kind of came out flat. I think it was last week. He didn't look super great. Um, but yeah, this guy was one of my sneaky, uh, quarterbacks. If you're stretching for a quarterback, you could probably try to pick this guy up off waivers. Um, the Raiders look legit. Um, even it's hard to look good in a loss, but they did. 
And I think they're going to be tough to, to get through uh, by opposing uh, offenses. I bet the former Cowboy almost uh, catching a touchdown to win the game. Yeah, he, he, he scored that go-ahead touchdown there at the end of the game, and I didn't actually know Jason Witten still played football. Neither did I. Uh, I know he was really bad at commentating football, so <laughs> he decided to go back in and tie up the laces again, and I guess he's scoring yeah. touchdowns for the Raiders. I thought he was playing for the Cowboys too, but I guess yeah, I think that's, that's how irrelevant he is. Actually leave, but feels a bit like a Trady or like a Tom Brady move, kind of like – you know, that's how much he had committed to the Cowboys, like the same Brady committed to the Patriots, you know. Uh, you know, one pass catcher I want to highlight here for the Raiders is Nelson Aguilar. You know, he's had a pretty pretty good season in the past with the Eagles and now uh, comes over here, plays with the Raiders, and had a good game. He had nine targets, 88 yards, six catches, and a touchdown. Uh, I think the shakiest thing about Nelson Aguilar is that he's getting passes thrown in by Derek Carr, which – can go up and down in each week. But nine targets is pretty good, and he's available in a lot of leagues. I want to say it was around 90%. Let's take a look. I got him up right here. He's only rostered in 10% of leagues. So there you go. Available in 90% of leagues. Uh, you know, getting nine targets is pretty hard to find off the waivers. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. That was a recap of all of the fantasy matchups from Sunday's games right now, as we currently speak, the Buccaneers and the Rams are tied at 17 at the beginning of the third quarter. So we will recap that next week when we come out with our third episode. Um, you know, you're listening to it live right here. Fantasy football foresight, the fornicators, the foreplay. <laughs> uh, keep it locked and uh, you'll get all the best news and all the best waiver wire pickups. And uh, if you if you want to, how about you send us a couple of ideas on what trades you're considering this week. All right, subscribe, rate, review. Thank you guys so much. Tune in next week.